0: Welcome to the Yoga Teacher Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Ray, Yoga teacher, you are needed now more than ever, and your unique voice, message, and offering needs to be shared with the world. In this podcast, we'll talk about all things related to teaching yoga to help you thrive doing what you love most, teaching yoga. So let's dive in.
1: cover quite a few things what i know we're for sure going to dive into is embodying yoga and teaching authentically i met jacks a few months ago now maybe like six months ago in san diego i happened to randomly pop into her slow flow yoga class as a student and i was in heaven i was just mm. like who is this person she's speaking to my soul I was just really in love with your style and your class. And I went with a friend and at one point she looked over to me and she's like, you are loving this, aren't you? Hmm. Afterwards, it's because she knows we have a really similar teaching style for me to be a student in that kind of vibe felt just like such a gift and such a treat you actually be on the receiving side of it and not only the giving side so i remember that your class your teaching, you're teaching you were so beautiful you were so poetic but in the way that was very genuine and authentic and not mm. cheesy. you were very inclusive in your your messaging your cues you encouraged the use of props like i just loved everything about your class i could go on, on. thank you <laughs> please don't no i sorry <laughs> so um, Uh, so cute (laughs) yeah and the truth is when i think of someone and we only met once but we've stayed connected since and i i feel like we've known each other for Mm -hmm. so much longer and we've hung out a ton but we haven't which is really interesting when i think of someone who genuinely lives and embodies the yoga lifestyle and teaches from a really authentic space i really do think of you yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I want to start it off. I was creeping on your Instagram. I do want to add, I actually was subbing that class, Taylor. And I don't think I ever told you that. Or maybe I did, but I just remembered again. So I thought that was one of those God winks, you know, coincidence, not coincidences. Had I not been subbing, this wouldn't be happening. No, so we wouldn't have met. So I didn't yeah. know that. That's really awesome. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad you shared that. So when I was creeping on your Instagram, it says in your bio, the imperfect yogini, Yes. Mm. I love that. And I just want <laughs> you to kick us off with what that means to you. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting that, but thank yeah. you for saying that. For me, since you asked how it feels for me, the reason why I'm calling myself that, and I'm not the only one, I actually was looking to change my whole name to that, but there are quite a few uh, handles, quite a few Instagram names that already have that. And I love that, honestly, because that means A, I'm not alone, um, meaning other people feel the same way, right? So for me, I used to judge myself and also compare myself to others. And after 20 years, if not more of practicing with a little bit over 12 years of teaching where I'm at personally is not doing that anymore. So there's a, a level, a deep, deep, deep sense of acceptance and understanding that I. Don't need to look like her. I don't need to look like her. So I think that there is, and without fortunate or unfortunate, it just is, right? it just is what it is, that there might be a misconception and or misperception on what yoga is supposed to look like and what a yogi is supposed to look like. So for me, that is what that means. That I in no way, shape, or form, every posture is gonna be perfect. To me, it's about exploring as a human, my imperfections, because I don't think anyone's perfect. We might strive to be um, better than ourselves, you know, the day before or a year later. But that's what that means to me is that I'm perfectly imperfect. And I love that saying and as cheesy as it might come across and as cliche, it's really true for me. So I want others to be inspired to know that that they too can embrace their imperfections. That's beautiful. I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up with my mom always saying that you're perfectly imperfect. And she really normalized that in my household. And Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that. I really did feel that again, like I'm just coming back to the one class that I took with you. I really did feel that through your messaging and your teaching is you created such a space for everyone to just show up as they are, but not only as that, but to embrace all aspects of themselves, which is also my mission. And that's why I mm-hmm. feel like I really resonate with you. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. Yeah. Take it off. So let's dive mm-hmm. into now. What styles of yoga do you teach right now? Okay. So currently I'm enrolled in Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy Program, uh, and that has been influencing all styles that I teach, no matter the title of it, vinyasa, slow flow, uh, yin and restorative. I'm not currently teaching, but I am certified in those. And I, I do really love when I practice those as well as when I guide them. So the element of the yoga therapy with Phoenix Rising is really a sensational awareness, really dropping into the body, finding our edge and all yoga speaks to our edge you know when we we recognize where we could learn something about ourselves without hurting ourselves so right now i'm teaching vinyasa and slow flow with that mindset still the same okay awesome yeah and i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna ask you more in a little bit about yoga therapy and what that sure. looks like mm-hmm. but Let's now kind of backtrack a bit. I know when we talked earlier this week on the phone, we dove into your story and I was moved and inspired and I didn't know your personal story yet. I think it's so powerful and I really want to start there and then we'll just keep going. Let's just dive in. What's your story? How did you find (laughs) yoga? Let's just hear it all. Okay. Well, I was born. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, I was born September 21st, 1977. We moved from Florida to New Jersey when I was 10 years old. You know, my parents have heard me share this story. So I don't feel bad (laughs) repeating it again. And I, I just never fit in. I felt really uncomfortable. So fast forward teenage found alcohol during that time to explore who I was as a human. I just shoved it down, shoved it down, shoved it down. I felt hopeless helpless, I really didn't feel a connection to others, nor to myself. That's that part of my story that we spoke to. And I didn't know that I was suffering from depression. So on and off for years, I, you know, crying after school, the sense of, you know, like I said, hopelessness and helplessness, and not relating not knowing what my purpose was really feeling disconnected. Fast forward to now, if I can a second, like everything happens for a reason in my book, I've learned my purpose. So I'm really grateful that I could say that today. But that depression and alcohol abuse was a large part of what made me who I am today. That was, you know, late teens to literally early 30s, uh, late twenties is when I explored the possibility of not drinking for some time. While I was going to college is when I found yoga and or yoga found me, as I like to say. And it was at the gym, you know, at University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida. And I don't remember anything. I don't remember the teacher. I don't remember the style. I don't remember why I liked it, you know? And I think it's important for me to say that because it's a true testament to where I was, which was not present, right? Mm -hmm. Because often I hear, oh, my first teacher I loved or the first class I took was this. And I was like, yeah, I can't say the same. Yeah, had that experience clearly need to have been an experience to drop the seed. So the seed was planted. And then I moved to Hawaii, as they say, for any of you who are familiar with the phrase a geographical cure, you know, but then I learned wherever you go, there you are. Wait, so, I have to pause yeah. right there. Remember the spot because I also mm-hmm. moved to Hawaii mm-hmm. to try to like escape my negative lifestyle mm-hmm. um, when I was 19. So I mm-hmm. knew we're, we're, so- yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in parallel lives with maybe a decade or more <laughs> between yeah. us. So yes, yeah, so I lived in Maui and literally John Cabot zinn the book. I remember walking in to a bookstore and wherever you go, there you are. It was a title that was another seed planted. I'm drinking, I'm traveling, I'm searching, I'm yoga in different capacities. The only part I remembered my yoga then was she was a German teacher Nadia. And she was like the yoga teacher on Maui for vinyasa. Okay. I think I still have her VHS tape, <laughs> you know, and then 2007. I'm back in Florida. And I was in yoga again. And then I was like, I'm gonna get my certification. So I've been teaching since 2008, my story continues to unfold. But I think that's where we wanted to pause with that. And so when you went through your first 200 hour YTT, were Mm -hmm. you still drinking? Or were you actually in a period of not? I was in a period of not. Okay. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. While I was still drinking and yogaing, ing um, there was an intervention, my parents and my sister, and I believe in divine order and a divine plan. And now understanding my connection to source and my higher self, I think that was perfectly orchestrated the way that it was. I would not have said the same thing in 2005 to 2007, <laughs> but now comfortably I could say that in 2020. So when I was sober is when I had clarity that I'm supposed to be teaching and practicing yoga with purpose and is that what inspired you specifically to go through your training and be was it to become a teacher or was it to just deepen your own understanding definitely deepen my own understanding with the maybe one day I'll teach okay yeah Yeah. yeah. I was working I had a full-time job Well, I was going to ask you about the depression. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it was really heavy for you for years in like this cloud of depression. Was it at the same time that you did get sober that that kind of started to fall away? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So I'll speak to um, prescription medications, uh, pharmaceutical drugs, as I like to call them. Uh, I was prescribed to several over those years from age 17, you know, 30. Again, this is my story. I'd like to have a little disclaimer when anyone listens to my story, if we're not like in person, it's really important. I want to say that this is my story. It doesn't mean that it would be the same for someone else who might be suffering from alcohol abuse or depression. So back to my story, I was on the medications and the yoga was becoming my medicine. And it wasn't until a therapist that I was seeing at that time for the first time in all the years of therapy, like we had an agreement like, okay, you're done here. There's not much more to do. Hmm. Go and live your life. I took a lot of personal development courses. If you're familiar with Landmark and S, like all the things like Tony Robbins offers, there was a smaller group in Florida called Summit at the time. It was then and there where I kept on unfolding, unfolding. More layers were being shown and shed. I comfortably... took myself off medication, but very uh, maturely slowed down the doses. Because at that time, with clarity of mind, with clarity of purpose, I had the support system around me to support that journey. It's been since 2007, that I I haven't needed to take anything prescribed. And like I said, yoga has been my medicine. Yeah, that's all. Awesome. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you sharing that so openly. And also it's very important to know everyone's experience is so different. And I know I've shared with you, I know that the podcast listeners already know my story with sobriety mm-hmm. and recovery as well. The thing that when we were talking on the phone that I was just like, Man, every single person suffers from mental health, anxiety, depression, and mm-hmm. I so appreciate having these raw conversations on the podcast to really help to normalize that this is just like a part of life, like suffering comes with being a human. And how can we share tools, especially as teachers now? We've gone through a lot of our own healing and it never stops, but we have gained such clarity and access to tools that helped us that now we get to share with others. 100% as goosebumps show up on my body to what you just said it doesn't stop right like this evolving human experience as I like to say however what I'm clear on is that if I have those bouts of sadness or if I have those bouts of uncertainty they are a lot lighter energetically if that makes sense and also they don't last as long so like when that dark hole is being dug it doesn't go as deep as it used to that feels really good to me to know that if it's possible for me for my experience that it's possible for others and that's why we're here right that's why I'm here is to share that yeah absolutely and i have a question for that i know for me personally when i'm experiencing a sad day or i'm feeling low or i'm questioning myself i always tend to notice the root of that comes mm-hmm. with fear limiting beliefs. Like I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. Am I ready? Like all of these fears come up and that's really what, where it comes from for me. Where do you feel like that comes from for you? I think for everyone, that's where it comes from. In my experience, you know, years ago, in addition to this, you know, these personal self-development groups, I took a little, not decor. I still believe in it, but of course in miracles, if you're not familiar with that, of course in miracles, I learned then and there, That everything we do, everything we say, everything we feel can really only stem for two things, love or fear. Mm -hmm. And that. Love is the only thing that's real. So we as humans make up the fear and then dot, 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 dot. How does that show up? But when we really tap into our essence and and who and what we are, pure consciousness, love, then the other stuff just kind of falls away slowly, mm-hmm. not always easily. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that. That's with Marianne Williamson, right? She wrote the book, A Return to Love with that basis. But no, I think, I don't want to get this wrong. I wish one of my teachers was on here, but I think there were two professors or really Ivy League back in maybe the 60s or 70s. I'm unclear. And they were channeled. They received the messages. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's awesome. Well, Mm -hmm. now I want to ask you the question. What do you feel like is one of the greatest fears that you have stepped into to overcome? Or it might still show up, but now you just Mm. move into it. Yeah. I got the answer. (laughs) Who am I? What do I have to say? And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I guess all encompassing. You know, I definitely thought in the past when I said at the beginning of this conversation that I don't have those competitions and comparison thoughts. I guess I lied. They still show up sometimes, but they don't hold me back. It's not stopping me from doing what I do. So I step into them, which is what you asked. I step into them because they're just my thoughts. I'm not my thoughts. And like we just said, they're coming from fear, which isn't real. So the who am I, What do I have to share? And, you know, I don't know everything or enough to teach. That's where that comes from. That's awesome. So now, you Mm -hmm. know, and I've had the same experience. It used to paralyze me. My fear used to hold me back. I didn't try new things. Mm -hmm. Now I know every day I do things that scare me. And I know that I just have to step right into it. There's no bypassing. And it doesn't actually go away. It just, (laughs) it gets lighter and it gets easier because you just get more familiar with stepping into the fear. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, quotes kind of get jumbled in my head. But the message being like, jump in the net will appear taking that chance. And I've done that many, many, many times in my life. I still like to apply that as often as I can and share that with others. Jump in the net will appear. So that's faith and trust. Yeah, Yeah. it's just faith and trust. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. (laughs) I know that now you're in a yoga therapy program. I love how your Instagram handle on your new brand and business, the Embodied Journey, says embodiment and yoga therapy. So what is that? What does embodiment mean to you? How do you embody yoga and how do you share that? Um, well, thank you for asking that. I love that. So embodiment is a totally new term for me. I will say that there's another local yogi goddess here, um, Nadia Munla. I like to give shout outs when shout outs are due. She is just this beautiful goddess that really is very expressive in you know the female form and whoever identifies as, as a female, as a woman. And I did her training. it's called Embody by Nadia. Before meeting her, I knew nothing about it. I had researched the yoga therapy as something completely separate at that time. So in going through her training, I recognized what I always knew, but it emphasized the many layers of me in this form. To be embody for me you know is an expression in a tangible way in this form of who I am right It's just like the essence of Jacks and the essence of Taylor but being in this body to keep it simple, right? So to elaborate, if we're in our head all the time, then we're not in our body. So for me, having that conversation and the connection, is therapy in and of itself because of what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. The thoughts, the fear. So when I get out of my head, I am embodied. I am feeling Jack's and all of me. I am feeling my essence, my breath, my prana, this moment. And you know, we could all say it's here now and live in the moment and this is where life is. And yeah, but that's hard for us to do as humans. I used to live in the past. I used to live in regret. That doesn't change anything. I also still sometimes live in the future. That doesn't help anything. You could set goals, but when I'm ruminating and worrying about like what's possible, what could happen in a negative way, it's not serving me or my greater good. So to be embodied comes for me to really feel this body, mind, soul, breath right here, right now. I'm not a yoga therapist. Uh, I'm a yoga teacher that is studying this modality. And the modality is simply being present to what is and it's a practice and it's a repetitive practice. And it's like it's a day to day practice. It's a moment to moment practice that's how that's been showing up for me. And I just, again, it's new for me. I'm exploring it, but it excites me. It's always remained the student. So I'm just learning something new and I'm encouraging for what I know to share that already. Mm-hmm. And then I just continue to be open to learn more. Yeah. So I, hope that I love that. The question. <laughs> yeah, know that's beautiful. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I know that you're bringing in elements of all of this, of all the trainings you've gone through of the yoga mm-hmm. therapy program into like a vinyasa class. Mm-hmm. How would you say that what you're you're bringing in creates a difference between maybe like a more traditional kind of standard vinyasa class to the way that you're bringing in like a therapeutic yoga therapy Mm. approach cool good question yeah so I've never subscribed to extremes. Like when I said, I, you know, studied a little bit of Course in Miracles. I dabble in things. I guess it's kind of a funny personal inside joke on the jacks of all, but master of none. <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. I, <laughs> I just have to share that. <laughs> but for me, like well, if I take a vinyasa class from the ashtanga practice, which is where vinyasa, it's a Shanga vinyasa. I don't recall, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that I haven't been in this kind of class. I don't recall where there, There was an encouragement of modifying, right? And I know that in trauma-informed classes, the word modified is, you know, meant to be a variety or variation or, you know, your own personal adjustment. However, we want to language that later. But for me, again, to that question, I don't recall being supported in listening to my body, choosing what's right in the moment. And for me, yoga is not meant to be forced. You know, I love when I heard years ago, let yoga meet you where you're at. There are just so many thoughts behind that. It's just what works for me. So when I teach, there's more of an invitation to not push yourself. You could try this and you could also change your mind. You know, you could maybe bend your knee a little or a lot. Uh, You can maybe come out of the pose. So I guess that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're speaking my language. Yeah. That is why I connected to you so much. because Mm -hmm. I haven't taken a vinyasa class like that as well. And I teach that way. And I lead my 200-hour training that's the only way that they learn how to cue is with invitational language I don't teach them the word modification so that if they can use it if they choose after and they're teaching in the world but I know that I had to unlearn language Mm -hmm. as a teacher and relearn languaging that's why I teach that in my YTTs is to create that inclusive safe space for people to explore because they are truly their own teacher and we're just their guide Yeah, and I have so much to say from that, but I do want to make a little side note, a little (laughs) asterisk, if you will, you know, because there are practitioners and teachers who believe in the traditional style of that. And it's beautiful, right? And I love that because that works for some. It just doesn't work for all. I know more so than I'd like to count or like to admit that people have gotten hurt. I have a different belief on like, they didn't get hurt in that yoga class. There was probably something underlying. Maybe they weren't present in the moment. Something was building up that they weren't aware of emotionally. But in their head and to their doctor, they think they got hurt in a yoga class. So for me, trying to be mindful and preventative, that's a possibility, right? But it's also a possibility that people get really strong and feel empowered Mm -hmm. in taking that style of class. But everyone's unique. So that's why it's important that there are teachers like us. Mm -hmm. And then there are teachers that are not like us. So we get to be unique in our own selves. Yeah, Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up and said that. And it's so true because everyone, there's a style of yoga for everyone. And I think there's a teacher for everyone. You just have to explore the styles, the teacher, the vibe, the the atmosphere and what feels good for you. And a lot of people really do love the opposite. They need to be told exactly what to do Right They like the discipline, that helps them. That structure really is good for them, right? So yeah. there's there's a beauty in it all. so I'm glad that you said that. No, hundred percent, and um, I know we didn't mention it yet, but I, I am the program director for a local yoga studio, and you know my students know that. And after each class, if there's at least one or two new students, I'll be sure to make it a point that that's my position. And if they have any feedback, that I'm here to serve them as well as to support the teachers. And I got a really interesting uh, comment today from a regular student of mine who tried a newer teacher out. And her feedback was just that. She said, you know, I love so-and-so. Overall, I thought the class was great. I really would have liked a little bit more instruction, at least, you know, like how you do, Jax. Tell me where to meet you. So a lot of times those vinyasa and slow flows are giving that space for students to do their own thing. But then just what you said, that student didn't need it at that moment. I think it's a really thin line to play with. I don't have the answer, but I think we all have the answer inside of us for our own self. No, that's great. And we can't be everything to everyone. If we have 20 people in our class, we're not going to do it all what they need, all 20 one thing can work amazing for half the group and the other half they're like oh my gosh just tell me what to do (laughs) yeah I've even gotten that feedback before a student I remember months ago she's like you know I really like you she was trying to be complimentary she's like I like to be told what to do I'm like all right I get it (laughs) take so-and-so's class That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since we're kind of talking about the inclusive language, and I know that that also comes from a trauma-informed lens. Mm. And I know you've taken quite a few trauma-informed trainings. Do you want to share a little bit about what trainings you've been through? Is that really the way that you bring in and teach with a trauma-informed lens? Or is there anything else that you add into your teaching? Thank you. I love that question. Yeah. Also, giving credit where credit is due. One of my most inspiring and favorite teachers in Florida is Judy Weaver, who created Connected Warriors. And I think it's been around for eight or nine years now, if not longer. And I was one of the first groups that went through her Connected Warrior training. For those unfamiliar, it is an organization that is national, and I believe it's international now in a couple other countries. That actually was my first take on trauma-informed. I do quotes a lot. I'm like Joey from Friends. (laughs) So that was funny. Yeah. Um, I just stood on my hands. No, you can hear. Like, Come on. <laughs> So she was the first person to introduce that to me. Fast forward to a Yoga for Recovery. When I was um, in the recovery and in the rooms, I did, I think it was called Yoga for Recovery. I know there's quite a few organizations. She was more local in Florida. And at that time, I brought yoga to a coffee house in Delray Beach for recovering alcoholics and addicts. I work for a treatment center. So I guess I was dabbling, again, dabbling in that arena. And it wasn't until I moved to California from East Coast two years ago, where I did the Prison Yoga Project training, having met several local yoga teachers who I have the utmost respect and admiration for here. And then I'm getting it a little bit more, right? So it's like I'm just I'm taking bits and pieces. So Connected Warriors Prison Yoga Project, the Yoga for Recovery because I'm so like abrupt <laughs> sometimes in my languaging and I've been known to be a little passive aggressive in my past and speaking my mind and it just shows up in different ways. Uh-huh. That training, all of that has really helped me in that mindfulness of being sensitive to another's experience. Yeah. I like that you're teaching that and that you share that message. I just had one of our teachers share that information herself with our other teachers regarding teaching with a trauma-informed lens. And a lot of the teachers texted me separately, I'm so glad you did that. That was so helpful. It's just bringing that awareness, right? They don't, I don't have to get it right, right away. Neither do they, neither do you, whoever's listening. I think it's really powerful to understand that we can cause harm to another by the way we speak and it doesn't have to be intentional it could be very subconscious so in just learning those tools it, it gives an element of like compassion forgiveness, because we don't walk in other people's shoes. So I have no idea if somebody went through a horrendous, horrific, terrible experience. And one word I say just brings them back into that space. It's in the body. We all hold that in our body. Little T's and big T's, as I was taught many years ago. Mm-hmm. And we all experience one way, shape, or form. It's so powerful. And that's why I'm passionate and excited to like host the Trauma-Informed YTT. And I try to bring that aspect into all my trainings and all my classes. I feel like before I really learned and going through my own trauma-informed trainings, I intuitively moved in that direction in my teaching Mm. without realizing, I think, why. And and really the, the reason behind it was because I wanted to create a safe space. And I wanted yoga to be for everybody. And then as I started to take more trainings, I started to realize how that actually shows up in like a way that I could speak to it, make it tangible. So I think that it is so important. We don't know if we're causing harm and we're never gonna get it right and perfect. It's just having that awareness around. Exactly. How can we show up a little bit more consciously to create a safe space for everybody? A hundred percent. Could I throw a little wrench in that everybody? Right conversation because it was just brought to my attention yeah. all this time yes yoga is for everybody and everyone yeah. meaning it's to be inclusive right but someone who i also very much admire here a senior teacher in, in san diego share sure. that no yoga really isn't for everybody one And I was like, ooh, and acknowledging that that's why it's amazing that there's so many different styles and so many different teachers. And yet that adds another level of, of mindfulness that we might need to really start to look at and apply. You know, when you see someone who, okay, just as an exaggerated example, they're coming in with crutches to your vinyasa class, and they've got like two knee braces on. I might pull them aside and just have a lovely conversation like they're welcome in my class. I just wanted to see where they're at, yada, yada, yada. And maybe we set up a private. There's maybe more restorative that they could take. So that's just kind of where that conversation I wanted to add in because I think it's nice. And it's that yogi, airy-fairy fluffiness that we all have an element of and want to be I think to some degree but also let's be realistic let's be let's be honest with not only ourselves but with others yeah maybe yoga isn't for someone Mm -hmm. no I love that you're bringing that up and then what that makes me think too is well when we look at yoga right we look at the eight limbs and how Mm -hmm. asana is only one You're right. Maybe the person on crutches, vinyasa flow, isn't for them. But what about yoga nidra? Mm -hmm. Yes. Sitting in stillness Mm and breathing. Because that right there is yoga. What about reflecting on the yamas and the yamas only? Mm. That's even Mm -hmm. deeper. That's yoga. so glad you said that yes exactly because I was just speaking to the asana and absolutely 100% agree with you on that yeah you know I I have said to in bios and other interviews like yoga to me is a way of life Mm -hmm. it is not just the shapes I put my body in on a yoga mat but the yoga mat is a reflection of who I am and how I show up and how I show up on the mat I'm pretty sure it's a direct reflection of how I show up off of the mat and
0: in the world so hey yoga teacher So we all know it's been a really chaotic, crazy, and challenging time for everyone. And the world needs you now more than ever. I'd love for you to join me in my upcoming online trauma-informed yoga teacher training, September 26 and 27. I believe every yoga teacher should have an understanding of trauma and how it impacts the mind and body. Every single person has experienced some form of trauma in their life, which means your students show up to yoga knowingly or unknowingly with trauma, PTSD, and chronic stress. Understanding how to teach yoga with a trauma-informed lens can only help you better serve your students, your clients, and your community. This training is held online, which means you can join in from anywhere in the world from the comfort of your own home register and secure your spot on my website at taylorrayyoga.com now back to the episode yeah let's
1: have you speak to that a little bit more mm. how you show up, i love that you said that how i show up on the mat is a reflection of how i show up off the mat what is it yeah. for you well my sister is going to probably laugh if she's still on but one of my favorite phrases <laughs> is how you do anything is how you do everything back to that 2007 timeframe, when I was in that personal development group, I remember, you know, those moments where it's just like, it just hit me. And I had learned that how you do anything is how you do everything. And I was working at a very high end upscale luxury resort, I had my nice little outfit on, I was in the PR department at the time, and I'd go to the bathroom, wash my hands, dry off with a paper towel, aim and shoot, and I miss the garbage can. Instinct start to walk away, paused, turned around. That was screaming. How I, ugh, how I do anything, how I do everything. So that, so minor maybe to some people, right? Like, But it's big. It it's huge. <laughs> it's it it huge. So, so I bring that into the mat conversation, meaning like, and that's also part of the mindfulness with the yoga therapy element. How am I stepping my foot forward, right? Am I doing it quickly? But I might be missing all that juiciness in my hips and just like feeling in my gut and my core through my bandas to slowly float the foot down. So that's how I teach sometimes, if not mostly. Um, you know, when we do a standing dress and you know, how far do does one try to reach? You're gonna fall over, dude! Like no. <laughs> slowly. But then how do we do that off the mat? Are we driving fast? Are we rushing people in a conversation? Honestly, I'm not perfect with this. That's why it's a practice. But one of the areas that I look to improve on is when I eat, I'm still not the most mindful. And I was like, damn, like, I really want to be mindful with this morsel, like savor. And I'm like, just not there yet. But I'm practicing on the mat, so hopefully one day I will. (laughs) I love it. That's That's so good. And it made me think back to your story. You're like, I don't remember my first yoga class. I was so disconnected. I wasn't present. What happened? And how that's shifted for you now, right, Mm -hmm. from that point to now. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful to hear and to see and to listen to your experience and how you've grown. So I love that. That's genius Mm -hmm. stuff right there. Thanks. I know that when I took your class, again, your messaging, your voice, your your words, everything was so beautiful and poetic, and it felt so organic and genuine and authentic to you. Nothing about it felt cheesy. If I tried to say some of the things that I heard to you, it wouldn't sound right because it's not me, mm-hmm. it, you know. But I just remember, man, the words are just like <laughs> out of her mouth, like so funny, yeah, <laughs> so funny. Yes. so buttery and yes. uh-huh. beautiful. And like the words you were saying were just hitting my body to the core. Mm-hmm. And I was just so into it. Let's talk about teaching yoga authentically. Yes, please. First, okay. <laughs> first, let's hear from you and mm-hmm. how you have to evolve into that space. It takes years to find your voice as a teacher. Mm-hmm. How has you evolved into where you are now and how you speak and message? And then we'll talk about how we can, you know, inspire other teachers to show up like that. Cool. Yeah, I hope to I hope that's the purpose of this. Right. And I just I wanted to say thank you a, for having me on. But just you really living your dharma. Truly, like it is so natural for you, girl. And it's just an honor to watch that. So you are being your authentic self. And I think you're buttery and juicy, too. So all the good <laughs> things. <laughs> that's such a great question. And it's such a big topic for me. When I was younger, going through those depression years and the drinking, remember I spoke to comparing myself and then just how it unfolded, recognizing that no one else is like me. So why would I want to be like anyone else? Oh, which brings me to another favorite saying, be you because everyone else is taken. Yeah. When I heard that, be you because everyone else is taken. I'm like, my God, that's so like perfect. And like in its simplest form. Yes. I think what humans crave is is connection so we crave connection doesn't it make more sense that we want to connect organically and authentically to someone that is resonating on a similar if not same level vibrationally energetically so how do we express our vibration how do we express our energy it could be by the clothes we wear the car we drive, the music we listen to, all the things. And it's also the way we speak and how we just show up, right? And it just kind of naturally is received or not received. So for me, when all of those little, like the domino pieces were like coming in. So I get to be me. I get to. I get to understand that not everyone's going to like me or understand me. <laughs> that was a huge, mind-blowing thing. <laughs> and my people are going to you know, seek me out. And they're going to stay if they're my people. So it was just kind of little messages along the way to bring me to just being me without any more desire to be different. So I think it's important that as yoga teachers, when we're in front of a room, when we're on this stage, that we are speaking to humans (laughs) and they're having their human experience. But how awesome is it for them to look at you with either awe and admiration, they look at you to be inspired, or they look at you and say, wow, her too, or him too, then they're connected. I got you, you got them. You know, and it's like, okay, there is this feeling of a brother or sister. There is this familial feeling. I know we all have issues with our families, but like the family connection is pretty awesome. So just having that sense of home, I think is what I'm trying to get at inviting them to feel at home with you. Like you're inviting them into your living room. You're inviting them into your house, whether it's your studio or not. Like we're creating that space, that container. So not only to be mindful and speak with a sense of awareness for safety and, and support, But also like, I'm in this with you. We got this. We're doing this dance back and forth together. So I think the more inauthentic we are, the less chance we have for that to happen. And to me, I just think, I mean, I can't speak to it anymore without being redundant. Like it's just about connection and it's about being seen and heard. Especially now, there's a big stage container of disconnection right now. So if I'm teaching, I want you to connect to me. I want you to connect to me in such a big way that you connect to yourself. Mm, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Mm. Connection is so powerful, so important. Really, it's, that's yoga, whether it's connection to others mm. through the yoga class and making friends and having your teacher see you or yeah. through yoga connecting to yourself do you theme your classes do you choose different messages beforehand do you like yeah. speak in the moment about, like, theme i think i remember when i took it it was one of the yamas or niyamas yeah. i can't remember what what it was though yeah probably um no i'm laughing because i think i told you on the phone the other day like i've never created a sequence before class so in the past when i first started teaching again 2008, 2009 it was more vinyasa power. It was in South Florida. There were not as many studios as there are today, not as many studios in a concentrated area either. Right. So I taught what everyone else was teaching. I taught what I was taught. And that was do a vinyasa sequence from the Ashtanga lineage. You got the A's, you got the B's, and then you're working up to a peak and then you're coming down from the peak. Yeah. So I guess I just took to that fairly well decent enough that my classes were full and I kept on teaching with this template, right? Like it was just, it was a template. Yeah. So to me, when you, when we step into that confidence and also what I wanted to say importantly, when we're practicing ourselves, got to be practicing what we're preaching for me. When I stop practicing, that's when I'm like, Ooh, girl, you got to check yourself. And like this week, I've been taking a class every day, I needed to revisit and I wasn't doing home practice. So yeah, and I think that home practice is so important as a teacher to be able to guide your own self and body in the moment. Yeah, Yeah. intuitively is one of the most important things as a teacher. Yes. So let's bring that to answer this question because that's like a foundation. Once the practice and the experience feels more confident in the body and and comfortable to the teacher, you're teaching to the students, not to you. So what I have found that a lot of teachers, you know, may struggle with or just it's okay, you're learning still, right? It's like, no, it has to be this set, it has to be this sequence. I wrote it down. I practiced it in my body. It felt good to me. Okay, but there are 20 people in front of you guaranteeing it's not landing for all 20 people like I could almost guarantee that so that's just how so again to answer the question yes yeah, sometimes if I'm reading the yamas and the niyamas and I'm like okay I'll, I'll just have a an inspiring quote or a message that I'll weave through I've taught chakras okay you know that is a whole other conversation so but <laughs> that gave me a sense of a direction to answer your question I don't set everything up I have some sort of intention. But in the community that I teach in now, it's a a lot of the same students coming over and over again to all of us teachers. And they've been coming for months, if not years, there's a conversation, how are you feeling today? What's going on in your body? How is your heart? You know, what energy level are you at? And then you take that information and then you run with it. So Mm -hmm. that's what I do mostly is is in the moment. And that takes such a skill that I think grows over the years. So now this point in my teaching journey i can teach that way as a new teacher i could not teach that way right and that, yeah of course yeah. you know like i needed my sequence i remember setting up my sequence near my phone and if i couldn't remember what was next because i was way in my head as a new teacher and mm-hmm. i remember going to check okay child's pose everyone and like checking my sequence like what the fuck is next <laughs> Yeah, and then screwing up our rights and our lefts so or just doing one on one side and totally skipping on the other. Totally normal. Yeah. It happens. And to that, I really think this is important cuz I do it and I just find it adds lightness to the class. Like if you catch yourself making a mistake, oops, I did it again, you wow. know, like laugh and then throw it in when you can. Like, okay, remember that thing I forgot? Let's do it now to find that balance, right? Yeah. So I think that's also part of that authentic humanness. If the student gets mad, that's on them. If the student doesn't come back, they're missing out on that experience that they could possibly learn and grow from. That's been another big lesson for me. It's like not to take things personally. Yeah. And if they don't come back as well, I always think, well, then they're just not my people. That's okay. I'm okay with that. And sometimes it it happens where the negativity gets weeded out that way. And I'm Mm -hmm. also very okay with that. How would you say, or what kind of like tools or tips could you share for maybe newer teachers that are struggling to like how do I find my voice? Or Mm. I know that a lot of new teachers, and I teach this in my YTT, I tell them, get out and teach for a year. And that's really how you'll start to find it. You're gonna sound like your teachers because that's how you learned, Right. over time it evolves. But what kind of tips do you have for teachers? Well, all of that I would agree on. And I think that's definitely very common that we sound like our teachers at the beginning. And then just being open to all of a sudden one day, that just changes, you know, you don't have to plan it, it'll naturally happen. Because again, it's like, it's repetition, it's experience. And then that inner wisdom that we all have that inner guidance, that inner knowledge, that inner knowing, you have that. So just reminding yourself that you have that. And I think it's natural for the fear and the insecurity to come about, I don't want to mess up. What am I going to look like? And just being okay with all of those falling down, being okay. I don't like to say failing, but you know, like we make mistakes and like we just learn from them, but not to be discouraged. You know, like another piece of my fear was there's so many people doing what I do, but there are like millions of people out there. There you are know? enough people. There's <laughs> enough people. And maybe you just, you don't teach the way other people teach and then you start to embrace I think really practicing is the, is really the only answer is practicing, not giving up and being okay with making a boo-boo, put a bandaid on, keep going. Yeah, 100%. That reminds yeah. me of one of my past episodes. It's start messy. Perfectionism mm-hmm. is paralyzing. Like I speak to that all the time because you that. have to just get comfortable being messy. Things are going to be messy. It's not going to feel good. It's going to be scary. It's the unknown you are going to mess up, but that's yep. how you grow. That's how you find your voice. Absolutely. Which brings me to another quote I'll miss say, but I've said it before my class is like, it's not about how many times you fall, but how many times you get back up. Yeah. You know, To me, uh, I, I do try, and I don't like to use the word try, but I do apply these cliches, these slings. As often as I can, uh, you know, understanding that they help me a good portion of the time and and sometimes I fall short, but I just don't give up. so ah, that's that's my message. yeah, from hopelessness, hopelessness to hopefulness. Yes. yeah. Just don't give up that I was just telling my partner Tommy yesterday because everything that I'm creating and doing, like it's hard. It's not easy. Things are hard and challenging in a really beautiful way, growing an online business now, all of the things. And there's days that I want to quit. And Mm -hmm. just tell myself, in my head I repeat, just keep showing up. And I just keep showing up and I keep showing up. And I don't know if people are listening or watching or what and I just keep showing up. And I think absolutely in peace. It really is. I did hire a business coach recently for the InBody Journey that you were asking me about before. And literally the third week into this nine-week program, I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it now. Da, 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 da. And she's like, why wouldn't you do it? And I was like, well, because I'm afraid of failing. And I'll just leave with this note. She goes, what does failure look like? And I said, not getting any clients to sign up you know, for my program. She's like, Jax, do you really think you wouldn't get at least one person? <laughs> yeah. and it starts with one. It just starts huh? with the one and you treat yeah. that one like just like gold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's literally my next question for you was let's talk about business now because I know hmm. you just are launching or in the process of launching the in body journey. So first let's hear what is that? What's the in journey? Who is it for? What do you do? And then I want to talk a little bit more about the business side and like hiring a coach. Cool. Oh, my God. I feel like we could talk for hours. I I just- know. <laughs> yeah. true. Okay. So the in-body journey literally came to me in a meditation approximately two and a half. Mm-hmm. Nope. Maybe three months ago during uh, our quarantine and during COVID. I've had a business before. I owned a, an organic cold press juice bar and smoothie bar, co-owned with my sister after another partner before that. I feel like I've always, I have that business sense, you know, like I, I like to get shit done. I hope I could say that. You could beat course, me out of thought. Yeah. I like to see results, right? My dad is a corporate guy. And one of his favorite phrases that I picked up on, don't confuse efforts with results. Mm-hmm. Don't confuse efforts with results. So having said that, I'm like, how can I show up in a big way that's supportive for me financially, also supportive for my what I believe now is my mission and my dharma. So the embodied journey is still unfolding. And my vision is to share with women who may relate to one of part of my story or all of it, because, you know, I'm not alone and I'm not that unique. Someone who may have gone through a depression, someone who may have gone through alcohol abuse, a betrayal, marriage, a divorce, you know insecurities, body image, all the things that are totally normal. And maybe someone who's never practiced yoga, maybe someone who is intimidated by the, I'm going to do the quotes, the perfect yogi. This way we can cater, you know, and adjust the program with meditation with mindfulness, with yoga therapy element and essence of it, you know, with breath work, if I didn't say that already, and just a movement in this embodiment way, right? Because if you're like me, anyone listening, I'm a lot more young than I am yin. If I, if I was honest, you know, very transparent. And I have that go, go, go energy that can be intimidating, and also maybe off putting so I'm learning to soften into the into the femininity. So that is also underlying in the in-body journey. And I learned that from Nadia and the goddess and that just that sensual siren is how she calls it. And I want to be like sensual and goddess-like all the time. But sometimes I'm just like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's finding that balance. So I just want to encourage other women. I do think I'm um, practical and not intimidating, so... At least that's my hope is that more women can relate to me than somebody else.
0: I love that. So, is your vision with it uh, like a coaching kind of group program
1: with it? So funny. I get the heebie-jeebies when I hear the word coaching for some reason. It sounds like it would be that, but minus the word coach or coaching. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can take that word and replace it with something else. Yeah. I just want to be your friend um, and have you pay me a little bit of money so I can teach <laughs> so I could teach you you know things that have worked for me. That okay. have worked for me. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So yeah, since this podcast, a lot of yoga teachers are building their own business, or they have an idea, or they want to launch a brand, or they already have one, a lot of what I speak to is that, is the business side of yoga as well. And I like to ask every guest teacher, what? let's just hear a little bit about you Decide to hire a business coach. I think that's brilliant. I think that at times we have to invest into that, into ourselves, to grow to the next step. Was that challenging for you? Was it scary for you to start to create a brand and to hire a coach? Yes, and I'm very much still at the beginning phase. Um, she's great. Yeah, uh, it was a title of the business vinyasa. Her name is Ariane, and she's in Florida. Uh, She also wrote a book. She, you know, is corporate-like in her own way, uh, an acro-yogi, a previous former yoga studio owner, all the things, graphic designer. So, you know, she helped uh, get me started with these conversations of branding, you know, the tagline, your messaging, your vision. But then there, and and, not but, and there are so many, like there's a beautiful other goddess here in San Diego, Tori Washington. I watch her stuff. Internationally, the yoga professional, I come across her stuff. Mm -hmm. I do tend to grab on to a lot, and then I find a sense of overwhelm, which allows me to be in a, in a repetitive pattern of procrastination. Mm-hmm. So I say that with a smile because I'm really <laughs> wor- working through that. <laughs> I'm working through that. And I also don't want to do this alone because I don't need to. Yeah. So that has been hard for me. I know And speaking to my sister and another friend of mine who also have their own businesses online. It's important to understand that we can't, we're not super women, that we can't do everything alone and that there are resources out there, you know, finance that you can budget find the person that is speaking the language that you want to speak all the things. I just don't think we need to do it alone. And that's hard for me. I'm definitely like, I got this independent woman structure (laughs) and yeah, the delegating and the letting go is definitely challenging. Definitely challenging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I so agree with you. And that's part of my passion, too, working with yoga teachers and seeing what gaps are not being filled. And what do teachers need help with is the business side as well. That's always come really natural for me, but it's not natural for a lot of people. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, like I'm working on a program which will launch months down the road called mm-hmm. Yogipreneur School. Mm, right awesome Similar mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. like how can i help and share these tools for other teachers to thrive and to yeah. create a brand in business so yeah i i love that you're doing that mm-hmm. i think it's awesome it's nice to get help and feel supported even though sometimes a little girl in like me is like pouting and kicking and screaming <laughs> like no but no mommy yeah um so <laughs> awesome okay so yeah. let's do quick style for this last question what are your top three non-negotiables Mm -hmm. for your own self-care and filling up your own cup so you can serve the community? I like to vacation. (laughs) So I need time off, non-negotiable. I'm not a 24-7 workaholic. So let's be clear on that. I just got back from a trip. Self-care for me, I need my time in the morning. Sometimes I sit and do a seated meditation, guided or not, but I definitely have my womb or hot water lemon, apple cider vinegar, whether the meditation is five or 11 minutes, um, dry skin brushing is my thing in the morning as well. Bike riding, like just all the things outdoors as much as I can walking to the beach. And then, you know, just like not compromising uh, quality time with my, with my husband and friends. My husband knows I like my girlfriends and my girlfriends and I like wine. And so that we didn't talk about that. But anyway, yeah, I like to connect outside of the yoga room and outside of the yoga studio. So the quarantine the first three months was very challenging and rewarding, very rewarding. But first, it was challenging because taking away that social aspect. Yeah, that's hard. So where can people connect with you? Where can they find you on Instagram, on Facebook, website, all the things? Thank you. So if you were to type in Jacqueline J A C Q U E L I N E Burbage B U R B A G E, the website's not up currently, but it will be. Okay. And I'm on Facebook with the same name. Instagram, it's Jacqueline spelled out underscore Burb B U R B or the In Body Journey. In body, not embodied. Uh, Riff's Yoga Studios in San Diego. Uh, we're still open as an outdoor studio. I also teach for corporate wellness with Mindful Mob. Mindful Mob, my friend mm-hmm. Melody is a beautiful inspiration as well, a local yoga teacher who started this company herself last year. We have some clients that have continued with us on Zoom for corporate wellness. It's been quite magical. And then I also am on Real Connections, S O F L A for my sister's, uh, organization. So I'm kind of in a lot of places, yeah. but, um, yeah, real connections. So fly. Uh, she is based out of Florida. She had to pivot during this time. So her online holistic community offers different events, different speakers. So I'm once a month on her oh, site. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Many places to find and connect <laughs> with Jax. Yeah, I just adore you. I love you. You are are my soul teacher. (laughs) I appreciate you sharing yourself and your story with the yoga teacher circle podcast and community. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much. I wish everyone a
0: beautiful journey and a blessed day. Thank you for having me. Thanks Jax. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'd love to stay connected with you in between episodes. You can find me on Instagram underscore Ray yoga and join the free private yoga teacher circle Facebook group, which is full of some pretty awesome and badass yoga teachers.